Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Daily Drop-In Morning Show, where the Teach Better team is live every single Monday at 7 a.m. Eastern. We are so thrilled to be here. It is Thursday, October 21st. There are a lot of holidays. We have some good news stories for you. Evan Robb is in the house. We're going to continue our dialogue for our theme this week, which is all about understanding what you want your messaging to be, understanding your personal and professional brand, identifying your audience, and what you can do as a classroom teacher, leadership member, or anything in between to ensure that you are sharing the right elements of what you want people to see and work with you on. We're going to get into all that good stuff and obviously introduce our incredible guest here when we get right back. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Thursday, October 21st. I hope you all have your warm coffee. We do a morning cheers together to kick off our Thursday. Evan, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing great, Ray. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, get together bright and early to talk about education, talk about leadership. Oh, I was so thrilled when I saw your name on our docket this week, because as you know, and not to completely embarrass myself, I've been following you for a long time. I always value any time we can sit in on the same meeting together. And I was thrilled that I essentially have your undivided attention for like 45 minutes. This mm. is like the highlight of my week. I'm just letting you know this is that exciting. Is, that's very kind of you. I was equally thrilled to uh, be able to review your wonderful book, uh, Teachers Deserve It. Uh, and also, you know, as a uh, principal of Clark County Public Schools, you give the keynote for our convocation this year. So, you know, I certainly on behalf of my staff and all the teachers that I know in my school division, they absolutely loved everything that you had to say. Uh, so I'm equally excited to be able to spend some time with you. You're doing a great job. Oh, always so fun. For everybody here, good morning. Thank you for tuning into the show. We are streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And if you're listening to this after the fact, either you're catching it maybe after the fact over on YouTube, or maybe you're listening on Teach Better Talk podcast, we're thrilled that you're here. Make sure to be an active participant. I know it's bright and early and we talk about how it's always good to make sure you're consuming good information, but remember that this is a continuous conversation. So feel free to throw your good mornings in the conversation. Any questions that you have, will be here to be a part of your learning opportunity this morning. Evan, for people who may not be connected to you, maybe this is their first time, connecting with the work that you do, would you mind kind of sharing your background, what you do in education specifically? Yeah, absolutely, Ray. Uh, I am, uh, you know, it's this is startling even for me to say, but I'm actually beginning my 30th year in education. So I started as an English teacher, a history teacher, and and went kind of went the, the route of being a team leader, a department chair, assistant principal, and a principal. And I think the one thing that's unusual about my professional career is I think I'm one of those maybe slightly few people who went into being a building level principal who didn't really want to move uh, out of that position into a central office position. So I started a principal position uh, in a different school division in 1999. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I have been a principal since then. Uh, and the school I'm a principal in right now, I've been there since 2004. Uh, and it's actually the school where I started my teaching career. 
So I uh, started teaching there, went away uh, to be a principal, and then came back to that school. Wow, that's fabulous. Sandra's in the comments saying that she's also celebrating her 30th year in education. So you guys are in a very special club. That's amazing. I want to hear more about, though, why you feel committed, like the principal job is the spot for you. I don't know that I've ever had a conversation or interviewed somebody that was really, you know, adamant that that was going to be the step that they were working towards. And they just didn't necessarily have aspirations to, you know, continue up the ladder, so to speak. No, that's a great question. You, you know, one of the um, little quandary that I went through, and probably I think a lot of people go through when they start thinking about potentially moving into admin and crossing to the other side, however people perceive that uh, from being in the classroom. Uh, I like working with kids. You know, I like being, you know, I like the energy of being in a building. And so the, uh, as time went on, less and less interest to work in a central office and be that and be more and more removed. Um, also started realizing over time that uh, that if you're in the right division, you know, if you're fortunate enough over time uh, to have a really strong faculty, good community connections within your building, uh, you can really do some very positive things for teachers and, and for kids um, within the role of principal. So it's just kind of a mindset thing. So instead of thinking about, well, the only way I can make an impact is, is I have to keep moving up or moving into different kind of central office positions, thinking about, okay, in this particular position, how can I develop, how can I grow uh, and how can I um, elevate learning uh, and elevate teaching in my building? And, you know, it's the same thing, you know, and I know you talk with a lot of teachers and there's, I have incredible respect uh, for teachers who stay in the classroom for 30, 40, you know, I've known some for 50 years. And I think over time they realize that they have the ability to have incredible impact on kids day in and day out. Uh, and then, of course, over time, it's like throwing it's like throwing a pebble in a, in a, in a calm pond. You know, the ripples just keep keep going onward. I feel like there's so many questions I have about this topic, but I think the direction I want to start with, Evan, is this week specifically. I have no idea why this has come up so much, but this week specifically, I sat in on an admin mastermind, which of course, if you are listening right now and you're not, if, if you're in a leadership role and you're not registered for our admin mastermind, you can do that over at teachbetter.com slash mastermind. But in a mastermind and in a conversation that I had yesterday, I had two separate type of educators. One was in leadership and one was in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Ask me kind of what's next for them. They were they were looking to brainstorm in the mastermind. It was with a larger group in the, in the meeting yesterday. It was just one-on-one. -on -one. But they were looking to explore. They weren't looking to leave right this moment. They weren't looking to necessarily make a drastic change. But what's next for them? What's the next big project? And Evan, I think kind of the beauty in what you're highlighting is the next big project doesn't necessarily need a different title. The next big project could be changing your mindset or your approach in the role that you're in and continue to have an impact with obviously the massive perks that come with obviously you know, the role that you're in. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. I think sometimes people think that the next thing is is linear. You know, it's it's a movement up, but um, it can be it can be something within you know, where you sort of go through some recalibration and start uh, thinking differently about uh, the locus of control that you have within your position and how you could be a positive influence. But it can also be a movement sideways. Uh, and that's been something that I've enjoyed. So um, that could be blogging. It could be writing books. Um, I think I've written five books now. I know, uh, I want to talk about that. <laughs> and also, yeah, I spent a lot of time writing. And also, uh, you know, speaking and being able to connect with people you know, in, in a different kind of way. 
Well, and all I, the suggestions you just provided, any any educator can do. It doesn't matter currently what their title is. Everyone can blog, pursue writing a book, start a podcast. You know, like that collaboration, that opportunity to share your voice isn't just accessible to specific people in specific roles. Yeah, you know, that's the really neat thing about social media. Uh, so I don't want to deviate too much. But when, when I first, I think 2000... 15 was when I started getting into social media. And I unfortunately was the guy back in 2007 saying, um, you know, Twitter's ridiculous, you know, who's going to do this? Uh, and, and clearly made some uh, made some errors along the way with that. Uh, but then I started getting connected, realizing I wanted to, you know, build a uh, PLN and starting to connect with educators, you know, certainly such as you and, uh, you know, and, and many of the really great members of the Teach Better team. And uh, so I started a blog, which was really as simple as getting a setting up a little website. I did it on WordPress, learned how to do that, watched some videos of 12 and 13 year olds teaching me how to build a website and uh, and then set up a podcast, which was as simple as getting a free, uh, signing up free, I think through Podbean is what I do and just starting recording and getting things out there. And then suddenly organically, as you start building your 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 um, your place within social media, those things start expanding and you, know, you find your niche and uh, suddenly you're reaching a lot of people. And, yeah. For very little investment, certainly minimal investment of time and almost no investment in money. You know, it's funny, uh, Evan, it's like we've planned this because our theme this week is all about identifying what you want to share with others, finding your voice and doing that, identifying your audience and really kind of crafting the narrative that you live within. So we're going to transition here into our brainstorm bank segment to kind of dive a little bit deeper in that topic. We'll be right back, friends. <laughs> Good morning, good morning. We're gonna continue our conversation, but as many of you know, as all of you know, if you've tuned to the show before, our brainstorm bank is an intentional time for us to pause and say, hey friends, do you need anything? This is a time where if you have anything, you are in the process of brainstorming, whether it be a personal goal or a professional goal, feel free to throw it in the comments. Evan and I can't promise that we'll have the answer for you at all, but we absolutely will be here to brainstorm with you, maybe connect you with somebody who might be a good ally or resource for anything you're struggling with at any level. So feel free to throw that in. But our theme this week was kind of weird and it's it's really taken a beautiful um, kind of like shape as it's progressed, Evan. It's all about this concept of knowing what you want others to to expect from you in terms of kind of building a personal and professional brand, you have very, very clearly, and I, I hope that you you know this about yourself, otherwise I'll just continue to butter you up. You've built a very powerful brand, not only I assume in, in the school that you're that you're working within, but on social media, you are a very trusted educator to gain insight from. And I'd love to kind of hear your journey. You said, you know, that you didn't necessarily believe in Twitter and now that's a great spot where you connect with educators every day. Um, thank, you. thank you very much for the kind words. So when I started getting into social media, I, I had fortunately enough maturity at that point in my life to realize that uh, there were potential pitfalls, uh, you know, in terms of how I was represented on social media. And, and over time, this has become something that, you know, I talk about and encourage teachers within my building, which is, you know, you have your professional reputation, you know, in your school as a, as a member of the Teach Better team, such as you do, you know, and then there's your reputation within the world of social media. Uh, and that has, there's a lot of things that go, that have to do with that, who you follow, who you retweet, um, 
whether you tend whether you go down a you know political road or a road uh, that's highly opinionated. And what I've learned is, you know, what you got to figure out like what's your lane, like where where do you want to stay and where do you feel comfortable that you can make a positive influence. And so for me, it is within leadership and it's within literacy. So I don't move out of that lane at all. I you know I don't follow people that you know that are not educators, uh, and I certainly don't retweet things that would be controversial or um, you know or, or share my personal opinion about something that, that may be political. And I think you got to pay a lot of attention to that because once you put things out on social media, they stay there. And, you know, if there's any advice I could give for people that are thinking about uh, getting into Twitter, you know, Facebooking or Instagram or any of those things is really start spending some time thinking about what your brand is, you know, wh who are you, what do you want to represent, and then start connecting with like-minded people. And then share information that is valuable and motivating to them. And then organically things start growing and you build connections over time. Well, and I appreciate you kind of saying the phrase like staying in your lane. Like that's kind of what I've been searching for in terms of phrasing all week, because we're talking about, you know, on Monday, Jeff and I were live. We were talking about identifying the three to five things. What are three to five things that someone can expect from your profile, if they go and pop over to your social media accounts. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of what, in simplistic form, we were talking about what lane do you want to do work within? It doesn't need to be the entire life of Evan Rob in one platform. It can be just one of Evan's passions and a little bit about his life that people can get to know you as a human being. And so I like that that mindset as, as hopefully our, our incredible network has been kind of processing this throughout the week. It doesn't need to be every single moment in your life. It could just be, I want to focus on leadership. So I want people that come to my profile to understand that I'm transparent, understand that I'm passionate about leadership, that I'm eager to help others, right? You can kind of build those mm -hmm. three to five things that people can expect. And then it helps you with some of the content you share, who you follow, understanding the audience you're talking to. These are all very powerful, simple things to get you started. Yeah. You know, I, I remember like when I first started, I was, I was like, you know, what do I want to get out there? You know, what do I want my my things to be? And, uh, you know, I think it takes a little time. You know, I encourage people just to kind of sit down and brainstorm a little bit about that. And then once you figure that out, or, or even better, you know, what are the things that you want to communicate that you actually feel like you might know a little bit about mm -hmm. um, and you can contribute and help other people? Uh, and then, you, then, you know, you stay in that lane. But, you know, you're right. Look, I mean, I'm there's certainly more to me than, you know, leadership or literacy or, or or having good motivations for people you know i like to fish i like to run i mean i have all these other things that you know that i like to do too but i'm just not going to put out on twitter a picture of me catching a big fish um it's just it's just not that's not what i want to communicate you know within within that medium yeah and this conversation is so relevant to somebody who's passionate in leadership or somebody who is passionate about something else in education you know i was I just had a meeting yesterday with a kindergarten teacher that had so much passion for engagement and and learning through the through immersing students in learning activities. Like how cool that that's fabulous. Share that out. People need to be hearing your stories. So regardless of where you're at, that's really powerful. And and Rob, you actually touched on something I'd love to transition to here because you talked about this opportunity we have to share, right? To share information. Um, hopefully encourage, inspire, and support others, right? What an incredible community we live in, mm -hmm. that this is the mindset. You not only have done that on social media, 
but through books and blogging. I'd love to hear about your journey there. And I know you have some exciting news to share as well in terms of books. Um, thank you. So initially, like my first kind of dip into wanting to get my message out was definitely blogging. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those people that I think I struggled a lot with writing when I was definitely when I was a kid. And I think actually probably through college and even grad school. Uh, but ultimately, I started realizing something which makes so much sense, but sometimes we forget it. But to be good at anything, you just have to practice, <clears throat> you know, and we'll, we may talk a little bit more about literacy today. But boy, at the bottom of the bag, if we want our kids to become better readers, they have to read. And so I started blogging and, uh, you know, I'll share this with folks uh, if you're coming back and checking this and you're interested in blogging, because my entry into blogging was a little frustrating. I thought that uh, the people that I knew might want to contribute to my blog and no one did, you know, for whatever reason, they, they didn't want to write. They were they thought their writing was going to be judged. They didn't have time. So I just said, OK, you know, I'll just do it on my own. And uh, so built up a website and, uh, you know, just started putting blogs up there and getting information out. And then just like so many things, it's really interesting within social media. Uh, things start growing and then suddenly people start reaching out to you. And uh, now, you know, I have people booked into my blog for two years ahead. Uh, but it all started with just basically me and just taking a chance and, and getting some information out there. And then after blogging, I uh, started thinking about writing a book. And, uh, you know, which is an interesting kind of journey for people, you know, at some point, a lot of educators hit this place where they think, oh, you know, I have something interesting to share. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll dip into that, that kind of world of writing a book. So that was another thing that I had to learn about, because there's a big difference, you know, as you absolutely know, Ray, between having this idea, uh, and then actually creating, you know, a book of 150 to 250 pages, it's, it's a long journey. Uh, but started doing that. And that's been a lot of fun also. So I've written for um, Dave Burgess, I've written for Scholastic, a book, and uh, written two books for Corwin, uh, The 10-Minute Principle, and uh, my, my new book, which is coming out in January, called Aiming High, Leadership Actions to uh, Improve Learning Gains, which is really a, a book about post-pandemic leadership uh, and what needs to happen within the building to elevate literacy and mathematics uh, for kids after they've come off uh, you know, the, um, the pandemic. And so where did that focus come from? I mean, you are in quarantine, the whole world is shut down and you're just sitting back sipping coffee, thinking about, huh, I just, I think on my, all my free time, I'm going to just start writing a book that is going to talk about the next phase, the continuous phase that we're in of this world of supporting students post pandemic. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey? Yeah. The, um, so I think everyone is either reflecting now or will reflect over time, you know, what, what closure, what quarantine, you know, meant to them, how they experienced it, and, and really probably what kind of trauma, you know, they, they've experienced from that time or, or are continuing to experience. So when we went into that, you know, I was a principal with over 20 years experience as a building level principal and had gotten at least relatively, relatively comfortable with how I, I do my job. Uh, and uh, how I need to navigate my job day in and day out. But then, you know, suddenly, you know, we're virtual. And suddenly, you know, I have to really redefine how I connect with people, how I build relationships, uh, how I do my job. And that started getting me thinking about uh, my leadership and the elements of my leadership that could carry me through that time. 
and also um, ideas about how to move back towards normalcy afterwards. And, and then I think, you know, along with that, uh, understanding that literacy and numeracy are really the core, especially at middle school, you know, for kids to be able to be successful as they move through high school and realizing that there's going to be some learning gaps with kids, you know, how do we uh, move forward in a positive way. And, and I don't want to go deeper into it, but getting into like deficit thinking and asset-based thinking uh, and, uh, you know, what needs to happen within classrooms, what needs to happen in terms of building level leadership to help create the conditions in classrooms that, uh, you know, that this can be elevated. You know, and I will say, you know, we, we did, um, we had a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of really good PD from Chad and, um, you know, the grid method. And, uh, you know, I know you've done a tremendous amount of work with that too. Uh, my staff watched some of your videos, um, took some online courses from Chad. And, uh, you know, so the grid method was a big help for us during that time. And, and so now we're going through a time trying to understand how does this all fit in as we move away from virtual learning, you know, into um, what at least is like, quote unquote, more normal learning. And then for me, you know, what's my role to help facilitate that and make that happen in a positive way? Hmm. Can I ask you a personal question? Yeah. What do you think you like more, blogs or books? Is that a loaded question? No, it's not. It's um, different type of writing. Like I, at least for me, it's always been so different, and I think they're both really challenging. But do you have a favorite? Yeah, I mean, to, the quick answer would be blogging because I don't have an editor, and. Uh, you know, I have a lot more freedom to be able to write what I want to write the way that I want to write it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, I think certain books, you know, books that I can kind of tap into my voice as a writer are probably a little more enjoyable than trying to write really academic writing. Mm -hmm. But uh, blogs are fun because, you know, you, you write it, you get it out there, you know, after you've done it for a while, you can get some feedback and you can engage with people. Uh, but books, you know, and I don't, I've, I've never asked you how long it takes from like the conceptual idea to to actually having the book in place, but you know, it's, it's six months. I mean, it, or more, you, it, it's not, it takes time to get there. Yes. You're right. And in like the satisfaction, yeah, it's like delayed, right? You're not seeing the immediate fruits of your labor. Um, it's comical. I, I'm sure you have people ask you all the time for advice in a lot of spaces, specifically in book writing. And one of the things I hear most frequently is sharing with people, if you want to write a book, write a blog. And you know, then you can take that information, kind of compile it and allow yourself to not start from that, you know, zero point in writing a book, but you'll have a foundation of content that you can build off of. Did you, have you did that? Have, did you do that for any of your books or did you kind of go with them as like separate projects you're working on? Um, a little bit, you know, there's another book that I wrote for Benchmark um, called Schools Full of Readers. And my blog is heavy, heavily focused on reading. So my podcasts are only about reading and literacy. So that kind of was a springboard uh, to kind of inspire me to take it to, you know, another level and, and think about writing, writing a book also. But I would say also for me, um, you know, as a principal, uh, you know, I don't want to be self-effacing, but principals typically write bland, you know, you write administrative writing. So, you know, and to write a, a book, well, you've got to have voice. And, you know, one of the things that I liked about your book with that you and Adam wrote, you know, very, very clear voice. Um, you know, your voice resonates through the book, Adam's voice. They're, they're not the same. They're different. Um, and they're both really strong. And so learning how to get my voice into my writing you, with the balance that was right for me, because, you know, as you know, everyone kind of finds their style with that. 
it took it took a lot of time, but blogging was a good way to kind of uh, open up the door for that to happen. Mm, so important. You know, I appreciate that. That's so important. You know, something I wanted to touch on earlier that we didn't get to is I, I would love to learn more about your school. I mean, you're very passionate about being a, a principal. You're always eager to support with leadership. Can you give some perspective to our, our network here, um, to the Teach Better family? Kind of what's your school like? How big is it? Kind of can you make those details? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my school's called Johnson Williams Middle School. It's in Berryville, Virginia, which is a small, in Clark County, it's a small county that connects to some of the much larger counties in Northern Virginia. So people who, who may listen to this heard, heard of counties called Fairfax and Loudoun and Arlington. So we're, we're not there, so we're, but we border them. So we're still kind of bucolic um, and those counties are, are much larger. Um, I'm principal of a small middle school, in, at least small in terms of Virginia, about 425 kids in grades six, seven, and eight. And, uh, you know, I think just like every middle school, uh, we try to provide a really well-rounded experience for kids, you know, with extracurriculars and activities, uh, strong academics, lots of choices for kids. You know, middle school is a time that kids start dipping their feet into different electives and start thinking about what they might be more interested in, you know, as they move off to college, you know, and we do all of those things. But but I think if there's one thing that, that's been a, um, a real help for me in my building is you have a great faculty. And, uh, you know, I've had people in, there are people that have been in my building for 30, 40, and 50 years. And uh, there are people in, in my building now who I taught with when I was a teacher there, um, when you were a little kid. And, um, you know, and, and they're still in the building. Because uh, no matter what, you know, one of the things that I've learned over time is that, you know, it's not so much about the schedule or, you know, maybe, you know, the course options, extracurriculars. It's really about the people that are helping to make that happen in your building. And uh, if the people aren't committed and inspired to, to really do a good job for kids, then, you know, then it doesn't really work well. Um, so I have all those things, you know, kind of in my melting pot that makes the job good. And it's probably one of the reasons that I've been able to do it for a long time and, and not feel like I'm twitching right now on, on this live feed because I'm so nervous of trying to manage my job. No, and that's powerful. You know, so many people would typically say, oh, the narrative, the brand of a school comes from leadership in the principal. And I think I, I've, I've read enough of your uh, content that you continue to push out that it really is a collaborative effort of building a strong building. Yeah. Uh, it, to that? It is collaborative. I, I, or, you know, I guess I could say it another way, which is um, every school that you walk into that has a really good culture absolutely it is it is led by the principal but the principal isn't the person who creates that it has to be created in partnership and collaboration with the teachers but what i can say is the principal is in a unique position to ruin everything um, principal can ruin the culture in the building the, the principal can ruin uh, trust in the building uh, the principal can ruin uh, you know the energy and inspiration that people bring into the building all by their lonesome and that is uh, one of the things that that I'm really passionate about and, you know, and, and very concerned always that the right people are in buildings to help elevate learning um, for kids and create an environment that teachers actually want to teach in. Okay, you have to tell us the the pitfalls of that, because every leader that was just listening to the Daily Drop in this morning just got felt the weight on their shoulders and was like, oh. I hope I don't mess it up today. So what? tell me more on how you feel a principal has that much control to really bring down the success of a building. The 
there's a lot of ways that that can happen, Ray. You know, I think the class, the classic way is a little bit more subtle, um, and it exists when there's a disconnect between the uh, the words you know that someone uses and their actions. You know, so you know you have someone who who talks a really good game, uh, but the teachers in the building and families experience something very very different between their actions. So with leadership, you know, and it's the same thing. <clears throat> pardon me. Um, you know, with what you do and, and what you've certainly done in the classroom, there has to be a lot of consistency between your words and your actions. Otherwise, no one believes your words. So, you know, and then and so you mix that into, you know, the culture of the building, the vision of a building. You know, it cannot be uh, born out of one person. It has to be collective. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, that's something that the principal can work in partnership with to elevate. But but it can absolutely be ruined by the principal. Now, it can be ruined in more overt ways where someone is just simply undermining or making it really challenging for people to be innovative or different. You know, one of the things that that, that I've written about is, um, you know, if, if teachers are innovative in a building, but they find out that when they are observed by a principal that they are given bad evaluations for being innovative, innovative they will not be innovative anymore. Yeah. You know, if, if a teacher believes in independent reading in their classroom, but in an evaluation, a principal says, well, you know, you're you're not using your instructional time while kids are reading. Uh, they're probably not going to be uh, having independent reading within their classroom. Yeah. yeah. So, you, you know, so that moves into, you know, people in leadership positions having an understanding philosophically of what needs to be in place uh, within a building in terms of instructional models and in terms of uh, some of the core elements, trust and relationship. Uh, that make a building work. You know, I like to draw some parallels between, you know, an effective classroom and an effective school. So an effective classroom, clear expectations, great relationships with kids, trust, hope, an opportunity to better yourself, an opportunity to be to try, to be innovative. I mean, all, all those things, you know, exist in good classrooms. And you and I can brainstorm and make that list even bigger. Uh, but they all have to be modeled by the principal too. If they don't, they don't happen in the classroom. Absolutely. And I, I like that your connection between the environment and educators creating at a classroom level being so similar to the environment uh, a leadership member might be making in a building level. And I'm confident that it continues even higher than that because we really are just trying to create a, a culture around us. And we all have a, a kind of element, a, a responsibility within that structure you know, something you touched on with that in terms of leadership is this avenue of trust. And so maybe if there's one takeaway from today, if you're if you're listening this morning, whether you are in a leadership role with a title or a leadership role without the title, the opportunity to gain others trust and be somebody that people seek out as a trustworthy person can really help in your leadership style. Absolutely. Yeah, I can. And, and, you know, trust is one of those things that uh, it needs to be constantly worked on uh, day in and day out. And it takes time to build trust, but it does not take a lot of time to lose it. And, you know, the other thing, Ray, that you really hit on that's 100 percent correct is, yeah, there, there should be really strong parallelism from the classroom all the way up to the superintendency and the division. So, you know, I'll give you an example. So let's say, um, you know, innovation, something. So it's, that's a buzzword. We hear a lot about innovation now. Um, innovation is something that can be a focal point for a school division from the superintendent, central office, principal, into the classroom, you know, into the instructional models that, that exist within a classroom. It becomes, you know, when any of those are missing. So if it's missing at the superintendency level and it's a big division, 
but it's alive within the building, it may still exist within the building. It may. Um, but if it doesn't exist at the principal level, you know, a, a belief in innovation, if that's the focal point for the school division, it, it's going to only exist in pockets within within the building. Yeah, no, it's a and lot that, of that hurts kids. Yeah, absolutely. That's a lot of responsibility, a lot of power that we need to continue to reflect on is how are we building a trustworthy culture an innovation focused culture to ensure that everyone around us feels comfort and responsibility to continue to add to that messaging. I love that. That's so important. You know, Rob, obviously um, we've shared a lot so far in these, in these, you know, the last uh, little bit over than a, and then a half an hour we've had together. Uh, I know you mentioned your blogs, your books, where can our community continue to gain resources, gain insight on this topic? I can only assume these are the types of things that they can find on your website. Yeah. Um, you know, my books are available on Amazon. You know, if we're not connected on Twitter, you know, I always love to um, continue to build my PLN. Uh, I'm at E-Rob Principal on Twitter. It should be relatively easy to find. Uh, and also connecting through LinkedIn. You know, I have a lot of built a lot of really cool professional connections through LinkedIn. And uh, I have a professional Facebook page, but that is an area that's not my strength. I, my wife was kind enough to help set, set that up for me. So I, it's really just a way just so I can share information out. But the professional page doesn't allow me to friend people. Yeah. But that, and then my blog, I'm sorry, is the Rob Review blog. Everything, you know, and this goes back to the brand thing that we talked about. I purposely built everything around my name just so people would, it would be easy to find. Of course. So my blog is the Rob Review blog. My podcast not too um, complex here, the Rob Review podcast. And uh, those those are good places to to connect, especially if you're interested, someone's interested in literacy and um, learning about reading. Oh my gosh, phenomenal. Oh, so many good resources. If you don't mind, I'd love to have you touch on LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn is a um, cont like continuous discussion, I feel like, when I'm meeting with somebody who wants to learn about social media, because I, I know that I've connected with classroom teachers that are like, oh, that's not a social media that I belong on. And yet I think there's a lot of leadership connected on, on LinkedIn. So what's your journey been like on that platform, if you don't mind sharing? No, no, no. It'd be, <clears throat> it'd be great. I am, um, you know, initially it was just kind of just dipping my feet in the water saying, okay, this may be something that I'm interested in. So I will, uh, you know, just kind of give this a roll. But what I found was that if you can set up an informative like homepage on LinkedIn, you know that you, you'll start connecting with people that that are that are interested in how you describe yourself mm -hmm. so you know if, if i describe myself as the guy that likes fishing i'll probably connect with a lot of people that are interested in fishing or people that have boat sales uh, but going back to the brand piece it's very specific to leadership motivation and, and literacy and so then then my connection started building mm -hmm. and uh and it's been good you know i i connect with a lot of people through linkedin uh, LinkedIn is a good avenue for people to share. It's a good way to share blogs, to get your information out in a different way, and also to connect with people, particularly in the on the industry side of education, uh, that might have uh, things that they'd like to connect with you about or, or that you could be interested in. The other thing that's nice about LinkedIn is they allow you to schedule events, and it's a, actually a free thing within LinkedIn. So you can create an event. So let's say you know, I don't know, maybe it's, you know, Ray is going to be doing a, a a free webinar on, you know, on the grid method or on teaching. And then you could schedule that into LinkedIn as an event and build a link to the event 
and message it out to everyone that you're connected with in LinkedIn. So they would see that, you know, on seven o'clock, you know, on, I don't know, October 30th, you know, click here on this link and you can see Ray. And so it's a way, it's a way to direct people to mm -hmm. other hubs that you have within social media. Yeah, you know, I really appreciate LinkedIn for that connection piece. I think that that is so um, under acknowledged, even, you know, I, you know, you go on Twitter and you search somebody you want to connect with, like connecting with Evan Rob, and that's great. And oh my gosh, there's so many opportunities there to then connect with more people who you might be connected to. I have a few options on Twitter. I can scroll through your feed and I can um, connect with somebody you've retweeted recently, or maybe we're in a conversation with. I can go to your follow list and I can kind of sort through who you might follow and see who might be a good option. On LinkedIn, it really allows you to say, this is a first connection, a second connection, a third connection. Yeah. You're kind of consistently finding that six degrees of separation between you and other people, which I really appreciate. I think that gives you some perspective as, as to who you might be connecting with there. Yeah, I, I found I found it valuable, you know, and I also like to, I use I also like to share information out on LinkedIn. I share a lot of articles and things that are of interest with me and, uh, you know, just to continue to make connections with people. Yeah. Twitter is probably the one that I'm most interested in, I would say. Yeah, I do. I do love Twitter. Mm -hmm. I feel like I use every social media a little bit differently, right or wrong. <laughs> that just mm -hmm. is the case. And Twitter, absolutely. I've always enjoyed. But I actually would love to touch on articles. You talked about sharing articles, and we're going to share an article with all of you this morning for our Teach Better family. So we're going to head into our good news article as well as the holidays for today. And we'll be right back. I don't know about you, but I am, or Evan, I'm, I don't know about you, but I am a huge fan of celebrating holidays. I think any opportunity to celebrate a holiday is a good thing. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I could not agree more. I love celebrating holidays. Uh, Thanksgiving is probably my favorite because I don't have to uh, get stressed out with gifts. Are you like a football watching person on Thanksgiving? Like no gifts, it's just food and football the whole day? Um. No, I probably have to be honest with you and say, I, you know, I might watch a little bit of that, but I'm probably more of a, a Netflix and uh, watch a movie and sit by the fireplace kind of person. There's nothing wrong with Netflix sitting by the fireplace relaxing for the day. I'm a huge supporter of that. For our good news story for the day, we'll get into in just a second, but some holidays that we have. Um, just so you know, we have some food related holidays that we all are going to feel responsible to celebrate. So make sure you get prepared for this one. It is International Day of the Nacho. Are you a nacho person, Evan? Uh, no, I'm not a nacho person. I don't. I feel like nachos are kind of like pizza. Like anything can be on them. And I mean, the only thing you may not like in a nacho is possibly like the chip. If you don't like chips, nachos isn't going to be a thing. But from there, you can make them simple. You can like pile it up. I've seen some ridiculous nacho volcanoes. Those are ridiculous, but. You know, I am going to encourage everybody to go find some nachos today in any shape or form. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think, Ray, as, as you get older, and this clearly is, is not you right now, you start paying a lot more attention to, uh, to, to what you're eating. <laughs> okay, well, I have to tell you, I do pay attention to what I'm eating. And while I feel like I'm a very healthy eater, nachos is not in my daily routine. Um, I do believe that French fries is a core major food group. 
So that is probably a, a little bit of a, a youthful mentality, but, but I do believe it to be true. And I'm not sure it will ever change, but maybe I'll find out the hard way. Mm-hmm. It is also back to the future day. Have you seen the movies? Absolutely. All right. Well, today's the day to celebrate back to the future. It's also a celebration of the mind day conflict revolution or resolution day count your buttons day which is always an interesting mindset international shake it out day i feel like that's a taylor swift song uh national apple day so make sure you go grab an apple for yourself and then maybe grab one for your colleague as well and then um the last thing that we want to celebrate here is that it's national pumpkin cheesecake day are you a cheesecake person i don't know that i am a pumpkin cheesecake person i'm not sure i've ever had that yeah, I guess. I mean, I would. I don't know that I'd seek it out, but if it was in front of me, I probably would have some. Okay, so you would like begrudgingly eat a slice of pumpkin cheesecake. <laughs> yeah. It's good to know. That's good to know. Also on here that's notable, I thought this is always interesting when this comes up on our holiday list. It's National Reptile Awareness Day, but it's also National Reptile Day. I, I'm unaware of the differences I mean, between celebrating a reptile and celebrating the awareness of reptiles. But either way, if you are uh, heading into the classroom this morning and you're looking for some fun opportunities to foster discussion, maybe a good laugh in your classroom, maybe involve like a gecko or a lizard. I think that could be a good option for us to, this week. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I was in Florida not too long ago and um, in the Florida Keys, iguanas are, seem like squirrels up here in Virginia. And, uh, Isn't it funny how that happens? Unreal. They are, yeah. And so I was actually by the by the swimming pool and and uh, looked up and there was a iguana, probably about five six feet long, just sticking in its head in the pool drinking water. There is an element that I've always enjoyed about traveling. I mean, I enjoy a ton of things about traveling, but kind of seeing the different wildlife. Right, you're walking in Illinois, for example. If you come to Chicago and hang out with me anytime, uh, Evan, I'd love to meet you in person. Um, and squirrels and rabbits are in abundance, right? You can't get rid of them. Mm-hmm. You get to Florida, now you're talking about iguanas being all over the place. The next location where we're headed that has to do with our good news article today is Israel. And mm-hmm. I've spent um, multiple months in Israel. And one of the funniest conversations I had with an Israeli was that they didn't have skunks. Oh, I didn't really? really think about that. Like, like they don't have the the terrible notion of, walking outside, letting the dog out to go to the bathroom late, late at night and being fearful that the dog will get skunked. That's that's different. Didn't know that. See, fun fact of the day. Absolutely. Fun fact of the day. Evan, have you interacted with a skunk before where you're living? Um, yes. Um, where t- what typically happens in, in Virginia is there are certain times of the year when the little guys get out on the road and I have, I have never hit a skunk with my car, uh, but, but I've been by them when they're, when unfortunately uh, someone did hit them uh, and then it gets on your car. And then when you have your air conditioning on, especially if you don't have recirculating air going on, suddenly, you know, it's, it just blows right into your car. Terrible, terrible. Yes, they're such interesting animals. Heading back to our good news article here, um, something that I was seeing all over the news over the last few days. This would be really interesting to bring into the classroom. I thought this would be a good one for those of you who have chosen to use our good news articles that we're able to feature on Daily Drop and Morning Show and use them with your students either later today or later this week. There was a diver that found a nine, 900-year-old sword in... Um, off the coast of an Israeli town. 
and there are photos. There are all these really interesting um, elements. They say it's from the Crusades era. It goes through currently right now. It is uh, with the possession of the Israeli Antiquity Authority, which is the IAA, to further study. But this sword or this, you know, like axe that they're talking about is something that is over 900 years mm. old. And it was found while some um, members of that group were, were diving off the Israeli coast. It is a it is a big, big sword. If you are somebody that has a few moments today, go Google this. There's a great photo of um, the Antiquity Authority holding the sword. It's almost the full length of this gentleman's um, height and body. And it is covered in shells. It, it, to be honest, it looks fake. It, it's beautifully um, kind of like aged where it's full of sand and seashells and has this really cool sword outline. So that could be a great conversation to bring into any classroom this morning. Yeah, maybe also a good motivator to go back and watch the movie Highlander. Hey, there you go. Yeah. See, so many suggestions we have here. Turn on the fire while you're doing that. It's a good time of year. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Evan, we're going to uh, wrap up our show here, but I would love if you don't mind sharing again where people can stay connected to you. I also would love to encourage our Teach Better family to be a part of the big book launch that will be happening in January. Um, we would love to continue to celebrate not only the work you're doing, but obviously this new project that you've been working on to really you know, encourage not only our leadership to be successful, but really have some important conversations around literacy. So if you don't mind sharing those details, I'd love to have our network continue to reach out to yeah, you. Yeah, I really, thank you very much. I appreciate that, Ray. Um, any book that I've written, if you just put my name into Amazon, it, it is there. And um, again, they range from leadership to literacy. So, you know, perhaps something might be of interest to, uh, to anyone listening or to any other member within your school or another educator that you know. Um, connect with me on Twitter at erobprincipal. And, uh, you know, I really like to build my PLN that way. And and I will say that, and I don't say this disparagingly, but some folks are on Twitter, but they're really not on Twitter. Um, I actually am. And, you know, I, I really appreciate when people direct message me. Uh, I'm always happy to get back with folks. Sometimes people want to talk a little more with a Google Meet or something like that. Uh, always willing to do that. I'm really committed to, to uh helping elevate, elevate our profession and, uh, you know, support and have those good kind of conversations. Um, for LinkedIn, Facebook, if you just search my name, you'll be able to find me that way and, and love to connect that way. My blog is the Rob Review blog and podcast is Rob Review Podcast. Again, uh, those focus very, very heavily on literacy, but I have a lot of guest writers who are experts on literacy from all over the country, really all, all over the world. Uh, so if you're not that enthused with my writing, there's other people that write really great stuff, content for me too. Mm, always a great resource. Make sure when you head over to that website to bookmark it because I'm confident blogs are published consistently. Mm -hmm. So it's good to go back and go see what's new on that spot. So thank you, Evan, for joining the Daily Drop-In. Thank you for sharing your insight, your resources. This is a phenomenal conversation. I really appreciate you. And I hope you have a, a wonderful rest of your day with your incredible building that I'm sure you get to head into here in just a little bit. Yeah. For everybody else, we hope you have the most wonderful Thursday ahead of you. You probably don't even know, but this Thursday is going to be killer. Um, I, we can't wait to hear all about it. And of course, if you run into any hurdles or roadblocks, we're here to be a brainstorm partner with you. So please enjoy October 21st. Enjoy your last sip of coffee as you head into one of the best days ever. And we'll see you again tomorrow morning on Friday with the one and only Brad Hughes joining us to recap the week and get into the weekend. So thanks so much, guys. We'll see you later.